God's good. Amen. Uh, we're going to 1 Timothy chapter 6 one more time, or at least one more time. I thought maybe we might have been over with that, but we're going to open it back up again and, and jump into this thing again. I have uh, been working through, in a sense, I guess I didn't know it was going to end up being a series, but it kind of ended up being a series. And uh, we've kind of taken this verse, chapter uh, 6, verse 12, um, and really took the time to, you know, dissect it, define it, and get, get some meat out of it, praise God. And I felt like today I needed to do it again, um, uh, maybe kind of explain what this week I had a few situations that, were, that went on and some things were said uh, by some individuals, different parishioners that... Some things were said, and um, because of that, I felt in my heart I needed to kind of jump back into this and kind of come at it at a little little bit different angle to bring some clarity about something. And uh, so that's what we're going to do. So what we'll do, for the sake of maybe those who haven't been here through this whole thing, we'll uh, define a few words first. It says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, to which you are also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses, praise God. So let's define some of this real quick, praise God. It says, fight the good fight. Now, how many know there's a fight to fight? Amen. You know, there's a cross to bear, there's a race to run, there's a fight to fight, praise God. There's an enemy to resist, and we can go on and on. Nobody's exempt, okay? Uh, There's a fight to fight here. And the fact, uh, the word here, fight, let's go ahead and define that. Maybe I should get my notes pulled up here. But the word fight, let's give a definition, means to compete for a prize. There's different definitions here. To compete for a prize, which in some texts it is used as that. It also means to contend with an adversary or with your enemy. Of course, we got many verses that deal with that too. But it also means uh, to endeavor to accomplish something. Endeavor to accomplish something, which is kind of, in a sense, kind of what it's dealing with here today. To fight a good fight of faith, the word faith, Greek word again, pistis, which means a belief in, uh, confidence in, assurance, reliance, dependence, trust. These are all the synonyms uh, to this word uh, faith, okay? So he's talking about a fight of faith. And, of course, we kind of took the time uh, to define that a little bit as far as this verse is concerned, all right? Because there is a, there's time when you've got to fight by faith for, for breakthroughs in your life. There's times you've got to fight against your enemy, resist your enemy, and it's a fight of faith. But here it's, it's primarily dealing with something. It's talking about really the, uh, uh, the having faith and confidence, or I could say more faith and confidence in the unseen than you do the seen. And that's kind of what he's dealing with in this verse because, uh, you know, there is an unseen. I said there's an unseen. Amen. And the fight, see, in fact, that word fight also uh, means a struggle, okay, which uh, I think I've said every time I kind of struggle with that word, struggle, okay, because to me I don't think fight's a struggle, but, but what it's referring to, okay, is that the fact that sometimes it's a struggle within to not be moved by how everything looks. To not be moved by how everything sounds. See, the, the word, when you start talking about faith, it's talking about a lot, a lot of it is about the unseen. Okay? Everything in the seen realm was made by an unseen. Amen. And the word says we walk by faith, not by sight. We're not called to walk by how things look or how things uh, are heard once in a while. You've got to be willing to, to have more confidence 
in what God says than what man says. You've got to have more confidence in, in what, how God views something than how we view something. Amen. See, it's, that's the struggle. That's the challenge. That's the fight of faith at times. It's just being more moved, I mean, more driven, more led by an unseen than we are by the seen. And that's the fight of faith in a sense. And I believe that's what he's referring to uh, primarily in this verse. Praise God. Uh, so it says, fight the good fight of faith. And it says, lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called. Now, a lot of times you hear the word eternal life. Uh, this word also is, uh, you know, sometimes interchanged with uh, uh, there's uh, eternal life or uh, everlasting life. It's another word. It's the same, uh, same Greek word here. But it means perpetual life. Everybody say perpetual. Okay, so it's perpetual, all right? So uh, a lot of times, you know, when somebody hears the word eternal life, first thing they think of is going to heaven. Okay, someday I'm going to have eternal life. No, you already got eternal life. Okay, when you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, Jesus himself defined eternal life in John 17. He let it be known that this is eternal life, is knowing the one true God and the one in whom he sent. And when you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you, 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 gotta, you got to partake of something called eternal life, perpetual life. Now, that word life is the Greek word zoe, which means absolute life, okay? The God kind of life, abundant life. No, no death, no curse, no darkness. That's a total life. It's absolute life. So you have on the inside this thing called eternal life, amen, this perpetual life. And the thing that we tried to bring out through this series is this perpetual life is like this, this, this energy on the inside that's available for you and me. And I kind of did a little sound stuff with it, you know, warm, warm, warm. You know, you go to all these you know, superhero movies, and they always have one thing that has all the power. You get a hold of that, and that's all the power, you know, whatever. That can change everything. Well, you know, in God, we have this, this thing called perpetual life, this perpetual, uh, you know, energy or perpetual power that's available for us. But it says you got to lay hold of it, which, which means to grasp it or to seize it, but it refers to in the sense of comprehending it or understanding it. Because that's sometimes just the problem. We don't understand what we got. I said we don't understand what we got. So we got this perpetual power on the inside that we never tap because we don't realize it's available to tap. We don't realize that it's something there that we can use that can change everything around us. Because, see, you have this fight of faith, and what you have at your disposal is everything you need to conquer and overcome. Can I hear a big amen? All right. So fight the good fight of faith. Now lay hold on that eternal life to which you were called to. Amen. This is available for you. This is for you. And it says in how to do that, having confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This is so key. Amen. You get a hold of this, it'll change your life forever. All right, having confessed the good confession. The word confession in itself, homoslogia, which is made up of two Greek words, homoslogia or logos, all right, which means same word. Put those words together. You look in a concordance, it's going to say this, a covenant acknowledgement. How do you win? Through a covenant acknowledgement. How do you conquer? Through a covenant acknowledgement. 
How do you uh, win this fight of faith? Whatever it is and whatever uh, plane that you're on, whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever fight you have in front of you, whether you're talking about resistance of the enemy, we're talking about something internally or something personally, something in your family, something in your marriage, something in your kids, something with your finance, with your business. How do you do this? Well, you have a covenant acknowledgement. What is the covenant acknowledgement? Right here. Same word. If you want to win, you got to talk this. You can't say your words, you got to say his words. See, one of the problems that we have and what we've been finding out over the last several weeks is because of this perpetual power that we have, because we don't understand what we have, sometimes we have a tendency to talk the problem. We talk the problem. We keep talking the problem. And the problem is we keep talking the problem. We talk the problem. We talk the problem. We talk the problem. And all we do is perpetuate the problem. Are you still with me? We're not called to perpetuate the problem. We're called to change the problem. So we talk the solution. We talk the answer. Okay? What do we talk? The word. Same word. Covenant acknowledgement. We talk our covenant. Amen. This Bible right here, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me, praise God, hallelujah, that's what we talk, why? Because within that Bible, praise God, is your covenant, amen. In fact, there's more than one covenant listed in this word, you have your old covenant, your new covenant, praise God, hallelujah, covenant, everybody say covenant, praise God, which is a, a writing which contains promises is what it means, a writing which contains promises, so in this In your covenant, some have taken the time to count them. I have not. I'll just go with what they say. Amen. They say anywhere between 7 and 10,000 promises are in this word. So you have that many promises in here that deal with every area of our life. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. Even in an area and a time that we're in that seems everything's a lot more, uh, in a sense, you know, more technology and everything that we have. We, somehow we, people think that, you know, somehow, you know, uh, God's old school. Well, he was old school and he's new school too. Come on, somebody. God has an answer for whatever you're going through right now. Whatever you're dealing with, there's an answer for it, praise God. There's a promise. Everybody say a promise. All right. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move into something here in a second, but I want to... Look at one more word in this text, and it's the word good. It talks about a good fight, and it talks about a good confession. All right? And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today, or at least that's going to be our springboard today. All right? Everybody say good. Uh, Kalos is the the word. I don't know if I pronounced that one totally right, but it's K-A-L-O-S. Okay? Kalos, I think, is kind of how it is. But it means goodly worthy or meat, which is the word meat is an old English word, okay, which uh, refers to that which is suitable, appropriate, fitting, or right. Everybody say right. Okay, so when we're talking about a fight, the good fight, he's talking about the right fight. When he's talking about the good confession, he's talking about the right confession. Are you with me? It's necessary to understand where we're going today, all right? Okay, so fight the right fight, amen. The, I mean, confess the good confession, praise God. Now, it also refers to, this word good refers to that which is distinguished from. You think, well, what does that mean? Well, it means that there's obviously a good fight and there's a not-so-good fight. It's distinguished from something. There's a good confession 
and then there's something that's not so much a good confession. Are you with me? So in other words, if there's a fight to fight, know what fight you're supposed to be fighting. Know what you should be fighting. Otherwise, you're like Paul talks about, you're one as, that swings and beats at the air, not making any connection, and all you do is wear yourself out as a Christian, not getting anything done. And I am telling you, that is huge, because it's, you see it across the board. People think that something's their fight when it ain't your fight. They see certain things that, that you need to war with that you don't need to war with. There's certain things, you know, well, I got I to gotta bind this and bind that and loose this and loose that. And believe me, there's a time to bind and there's a time to loose. But sometimes you're, you're wasting energies when all along the whole fight might have just been the struggle on the inside of the difference between the seen and the unseen. If you can just settle down sometimes on the inside, you'll win your fight. Are you still with me? Now, that'll make more sense if we get into this today. Okay, it talks about a good confession. We confess the good confession, the right confession. Okay? And that's where we're going to springboard off today. The good confession. Go with me to Romans 4. Let's look at verse 17. Hallelujah. A verse that we looked at, you know, uh, it's probably a couple weeks back here. And it says this, as it is written, now of course this is the Lord talking to Abraham. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. That's what he spoke to Abraham. In fact, he changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which means the father of a great multitude. Okay, that's what his name meant. So from there on, he, everybody had to call him Abraham. Okay, which means every time he went around, his name means father of a great multitude. Well, he didn't have any kids. He didn't have any children. Him and Sarah were, uh, they had no children. Sarah was supposedly barren, or she was. They were getting up there in years. In fact, when they finally had the promised child, he was 100 years old, and she was 90 years old. Are you with me? So she was beyond the years of, of childbearing, but God had told Abraham, he says, I'm going to make a nation out of you. And he says, through you and Sarah. Now, you know Abraham got a hold of it a little bit sooner than Sarah did, and because Sarah didn't quite get a hold of it yet, we had us an Ishmael, we had a little problem, a little glitch in the system. Come on, somebody. We're still dealing with some of that even today. I'll leave that alone. But later on, pretty soon, Sarah got a hold of it. And hey, praise the Lord. They had to go to Walmart and buy a t-shirt that had an arrow that went down and said, baby. But what did they get a hold of? Well, they got a hold of what he said. He said, I have made you a father of many nations. And it said, in the presence of him whom he believed, God, or even God, at some translations say, who gives life to the dead. In other words, he will speak life even in an apparent dead situation. All God has to do is speak, and it comes alive. Am I right? We can go from Genesis on, and we see God, hallelujah, speaking into things and seeing life appear where there was no, no life 
Come on. We see Jesus doing the same thing. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I, uh, you know, uh, see the Father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. And then the whole time, praise God, he did exactly what God said. What God said to say is what he said as a result of it. Amen. Even in apparent dead situations, life manifested. Jesus said, the same works that I do shall you do also. And he says, amen, you were made in his image after his likeness. The same thing is supposed to operate in our lives because we have this thing called perpetual life or perpetual power that's available for us too. The problem is, is most of the time is we don't, first don't grasp the fact of what we have available unto us. Secondly, we have a tendency to speak the wrong things. And all we do is perpetuate the problems. Can I hear a big amen? amen? Says, who gives life to the dead, and he calls those things. This is the principle. He calls or confesses, okay? He calls, he declares, he proclaims, he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's the key. Calls those things which do not exist as though they did exist, right? The Amplified here says he speaks of the non-existent things as if they already existed. The message brings out that with a word, he makes something out of nothing. We see that in Genesis 1. We see it repeated in, in uh, Hebrews 11, which we've taken the time through this series to look at some things in Hebrews 11. Amen. That even though it's an unseen, he speaks it, it manifests. Even in the area of resistance of your enemy, amen, here comes the enemy to try to put pressure on the Lord. What does he do? It is written. He speaks the word. It backs him up. The enemy tried to do something else. It is written. He speaks the word, backs him up again. He tries one more area. He tries to come at him in another direction. He goes, it is written. The word said the enemy left till he could find another opportune moment, which he did not get until Jesus was ready to lay down his life. Can I hear a big amen? amen? Jesus himself has made it real clear. Am I talking way too fast? I'm trying to do a review in a matter of seconds, and I'm not, I feel like I'm just speed, speed reading here or talking. Jesus said this, it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you, it's what comes out your mouth. Words of red. Jesus said, it's not what goes in your mouth, it's what comes out your mouth that defiles you. He said, Jesus again said this. He said, praise God, by your words, you are justified. By your words, you are condemned. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. The book of James chapter 3 is filled with the fact the power of the tongue, talking about the words that you speak. In fact, in that text, he's talking about a tongue that's out of control. He says, because of the mouth, You've defiled your own body and literally have changed and ruined, it says, nature around you. Defiled the course of nature. Thank you. The course of nature around you. So your own words can defile your body and defile the course of nature around you. Can I hear a big amen? So we have been hammering on this for several weeks. And I started talking about, you know, the problem that we have most of the time is the fact that we, we don't call things that don't exist as though they did. We call things that exist as though they exist. Because we're more moved by the seen realm than we are by the unseen realm. 
So we have a tendency to speak what we see, speak how we feel. I mean, oh, your feelings could get you in trouble. And we're not denying the fact you got feelings, and we're not denying the fact that there might have been something that happened that shouldn't have happened, and we're not, but, but, but boy, pretty soon you're just spewing stuff out your mouth, and all you're doing is creating a, you know, a wake of problems. Still with me? And that's why we, uh, we've used verses. We took a little time, did a little more in-depth on that, but we used verses like uh, Proverbs 21, verse 23 says, Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. How many know that to be true? One translation says, watch your words and hold your tongue and save yourself a lot of grief. Another one brings out, watch your words and be careful what you say, and you'll be surprised how few troubles you have just by guarding your words. All right? Back at that verse uh, 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 17 of Romans, the Greek interlinear says it this way, calling things not being as being. What God did was called the unseen as the seen. Things that not that don't exist as though they do exist. Okay? But when we're guarding our words, and the thing we brought out primarily was the fact that we have a tendency to call what is what is. So it perpetuates. Now, what has happened, and I told you this beginning, I'm going to say it now, over the course of the week, I had three different situations that happened where parishioners made statements to me, I am not upset about any of this, please, and I don't want somebody to come up to me later and apologize because I don't need that. I don't, I'm not looking for that. I want you to just, if, any, if I could do anything to try, to try to tweak this a little bit so you get the, grip, the, the grasp of what's being said, what's, how this really works, that's all I want. I want you to grab it, okay, and it'll start working for you, all right? But what happens is sometimes where, uh, you know, the enemy tries to get you to do the opposite. Say what is, you know, what exists as though it exists, okay? But what happens sometimes, we get confused with the principle a little bit. And, and what we begin to do is begin to call what is as though it is not. Say, well, what's the difference? Well, he calls that which does not exist as though it does exist. But what happens is, and this is what I had happened several times this week, is that they call what is as though it is not. We don't go from, you know, this, you know, trying to, uh, you know, this changing everything to this part of, of just ignoring everything. See, I'm grateful that people are starting to recognize that you got to guard your words. I rejoice about that. Because you could eliminate a majority of your problems if we could get your mouth working for you. But what happens is we start, okay, I'm going to guard my words. So then we start saying stuff like, um, I am not sick. I am not sick. I am not sick. Or we say things like, I have no debt. I have no debt. I have no debt. Yes, you do. I have, I'm not sick. I'm not. Yes, you are. I have no problems. I have no problems. I have no problems. Yes, you do. See, we don't ignore the problems. We don't, we don't call what is as though it is not and act like it, you know, this isn't mind over matter. This is spirit over natural. This is unseen over seen. Not mind over matter. We're not trying to convince you you don't have problems. 
Because some of you have some issues that need to be dealt with. Okay? And I, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I'm just saying, okay, if, there, if, if, there's, if you got, uh, need a physical healing in your body, then let's get it the right way. If you need a breakthrough in your finance, let's get it the right way. If you need a breakthrough in your home and your marriage, your family, your business, let's get it the right way. Don't just act like it doesn't exist. That isn't how the Lord works. And that's not how we work. All right? So we call things that do not exist as though they did. So how did he do that? Well, he spoke. You shall, you know, you're the father of a great multitude. He spoke what does not exist as though it does exist. I'm getting that to manifest here. That's exactly what happens when you grab the promises of God. Amen. You take what he says. I have more faith in what he says than how it looks. So I take a promise. We have seven to 10,000 promises in here. Promises about healing, promises about deliverance, promises of breakthrough, promises about finance, promises about business, promises about marriage, promises about kids. Promise after promise. So what he says is that you got to speak your promise. Covenant acknowledgement. Maybe I'll stand this way so I'm looking like I'm always pointing at the word. How's that? <laughs> Covenant acknowledgement. I same word. What do I say? Same word. Not your words. His words. Am I, am I losing you? Somebody says, Pastor, you're just being nitpicky. You're being too technical, too critical. No, I think you're just being too casual. Because why would you keep saying something that doesn't change it? Say what you have to say to change it. Are you still with me? How many of all the promises of God are yes and amen? Everybody say all the promises. Back 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says all the promises right here are yes and amen, which means they're for you. He's not holding anything back from you. Every promise, every promise that anybody else got in the word of God, do you know is for you too? That's weak. Every promise in here that anybody else got, you also have access to. Every promise. He's not holding out on any Christian, on any child of God. He's not saying, I'm sorry, you don't get any, but she can and he can, but you can't. No, it's always yes and amen, which means so be it. So every promise of God is yes and amen. And the scriptures in 2 Corinthians later on in chapter 11 brings out that there's simplicity in Christ. It's not complicated. Now, it may, it may cost you a little bit of time and energy to look these things up. But you know what? Nowadays, there's so much available to show you the promises. And all you have to do even is ask a few questions. If you've got physical problems, you're dealing with, with health issues, there are promises in this word to get you your victory. But we've got to get your mouth working for you and not against you. Right? Now, are you okay? Or am, I, am, I, am I too intense today or what? You're all looking at me like... You know, I have, a, I have a safe at home, a gun safe at home, and it has, a com it has a combination for that gun safe. Well, the other day I went to open up 
uh, you know, my, my gun safe. And uh, somehow or another, mentally, I got two digits crossed. So I'm sitting there trying. If something didn't happen, I thought, well, maybe I didn't, you know, didn't push the button right or whatever. And I thought, well, I did it again and didn't open again. I go, that's kind of weird. And I did it again, and all of a sudden, it locked me out. <laughs> well, now that, that's my safe, and the contents of that safe is mine. And even the numbers were right. They were just switched up. So a little later, I had to wait till it cleared, and then when it did, I went back in, and I, got, I figured out what I did, and got it also, praise the Lord. But anyway, the point is this, okay, how many know, you know, nobody would say, you know, if I said, you got to have the right combination to open the safe, you know, I'll go, I don't believe you. I'm sorry, I can't accept that. Well, Fine. Have this big weight of a thing sitting in your garage or wherever it is and never use it for all I care. But, you, yeah, right, see, you got to have, right? How many know it takes certain keys to unlock certain locks and certain doors? You can have the whole key ring, but if you don't have the right one on the key ring, you're not going to get in there. Well, it's my house. So what? All the contents, everything in there is mine. Exactly. Exactly. But it takes the right combination. It takes the right key. There's nothing wrong with that. It's simple. Amen. You just got to find the key. You just got to find the combination. You just got to find the promise. Still with me? You know what? I go to, I, you know, I have a place I bank. And one place I had an account in. I've been there for, geez, I don't know, since they opened up years ago. And so I go there. And, and sometimes there's, you know, the, the way they change names and the way they change employees nowadays. And I go up there. I pull up there. I say, I want to get in my account. And she goes, who are you? Well, that gets my dander up. I'm thinking, really? I've been coming to this bank longer than you've been alive. But how many know getting upset with the teller ain't going to get you your account? Come on, somebody. So there's little protocol because she doesn't know me. So she says, I need a certain account number. I need, I need your digit, that, the, the password. And she might even ask a question, you know, what's your mother's maiden name or whatever? And you might sit back and go, man, I'm so tired of people. They all, don't they know I come in every week? Well, it could be somebody else comes in the car behind me and says, I'm Jerry Roberts. I want into my account. Oh, okay. Right? So they have a protocol that's protecting your account. But everything in that account's yours. But if you don't go access, access it right with the right password or whatever it is, you're not in. You're not going in. Even though it's all yours. Am I making myself clear? We don't have any problem for the most part with all that kind because we all, well, duh, that makes sense. Well, God says it's simple. Just find the key. Just find your promise and speak your promise. You speak your promise, what you're doing, you're calling that which maybe at the moment does not exist, but you speak it as though it does exist. By his stripes, I was healed. He bore my sickness, carried my diseases. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He redeems my life from destruction, crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy, satisfies my mouth with good things, so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Somebody says, you're looking old. I'm moved by how I feel 
Oh, look! Because if I got moved by that, we're in trouble. Come on, somebody. So you got to speak what? Well, you know, I never have enough, never have enough. Just, oh, and then, oh, wait a minute. Well, I got to speak my words right. I have no debt. I have no lack. I have no debt. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what it says. It says, by his, uh, it says that he provides all, all, everything according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Woo! All my needs are met according to his riches and glory. <sighs> well, I still think you're being a little technical. The book of Job. Chapter 6, verse 24 and 25. How many know Job was having a little bit of a bad week? Come on now. He's had a real rough go, and all the boys are sitting around. They're all trying to come up with all the, what the problem was. Obviously, obviously, Job did something wrong or something. They're trying to figure it all out. And, he's, and so uh, he's being addressed about something from one of his friends. And so this is what Job says. He says, teach me, and I will hold my tongue. Because obviously that's what came up. Part of it is your words, dude. Teach me, and I will hold my tongue. Cause me to understand wherein I've erred. Verse 25. How forceful are right words. Everybody say right words. Right words, okay? And then he goes on to say, but what does your arguing prove? So the point was this. Abraham was saying, or Job was saying, listen, I understand that my words are a little off here today, but give me a break. Are you hearing me? Now, this is necessary to understand because a lot of people say, I'm saying this, I'm talking this way, because you don't understand I have an issue. I have problems. No kidding. But this is the time you do speak the right words. This is not when you go around, you know, trying to, you know, call what is what is or call what is what, that it is not. Yeah, you don't mix it. This is how you call that which does not exist as though it does. And somebody says, well, that's awkward. No kidding. That's why the fight of faith, it's more of a struggle to stay more in confidence with the unseen than you do the seen. And that's why it even says you confess it in front of everybody. And everybody looks at you goofy. They go, dude, I happen to know you got problems. And you keep saying, you, you know, quoting some Bible verse. Well, it's what we do. But see, then you get your breakthrough. You get your victory. You get past it. All of a sudden, the enemy bows the knee and you get past all that. And then you got something to say, see what confessing the word can do? Now it becomes an easy tool to witness with. Well, I'm just, I, just, I just don't want people to think I'm weird. They already think you're weird. Come on now. You know Jesus, so they already, you know, they already think you're a little off. Come on. So you might as well just you know, give a good confirmation, start talking the word. Still with me? Let me give you another reference here, okay? Go to, uh, let's go to Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right. It isn't right, but it seems right. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Well, I, I, I say it's because this is what it feels like. This is what it looks like. This is how, you know, the word seems right. Let me just give you a definition of that. It means uh, straightforward in appearance or reason. 
even uses the words like uh, assumption. You know what assumption is? It just means to fill in the blanks. Because everywhere you go, there's always blanks. Everything in life leaves blanks. But guess what? Okay, it's an open book test. So you can open up and you can put, fill in the blanks. But what happens is because, because of, the, of the way we are as human beings, we like everything to be answered. We like to have all the answers. So we have a tendency, if we don't know the answer, we make one up. We fill in the blanks. And if I don't know what else to say, I say whatever I feel. So I say what seems right. But it isn't right. But it seems right. So I should at least get some kudos for that because it seems right. No, because what seems right ends up in the way of death. Ruin and destruction literally means the place of Hades, which means, child of God, it refers to hell on earth. Now, when all along you're called, the Word of God says in uh, Deuteronomy 11, also we see in the model prayer, uh, you know, the Lord gave us, praise God, that we're called to have heaven on earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, somebody. Days like heaven on earth, it says. Amen. Not hell on earth. But somebody says, well, wait a minute now. You mean, see, what happens is we keep saying what, we, what seems right, and all it does is perpetuate problems. Is anybody hearing me today? Or am I going to have to preach this one more week? Give me the uh, Psalms 50, please. Whoever offers praise glorifies me, to, and to him who orders his conduct aright. Everybody say aright. Now, the old King James is going to use the word uh, conversation in here instead of conduct. Okay, but the reason being, the reason it has two different words in there, because it literally means a conduct produced by conversation. That's what it means when you look that word up. Okay, so what's talking about, talking about he who orders in a sense, it literally means to order is conversation. He who orders, it literally means you determine what you're going to say. A person that stops long enough and says, you know what, I want to say this, but I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say what he said to say. Come on. Do you, does anybody here believe Jesus had a successful ministry? Is there anybody here who doesn't think he had a successful ministry? All right. So you all believe, we all at least in agreement, whether you responded or not, we agree that Jesus had a successful ministry. Jesus said this, I do nothing. I do nothing. Last week we focused on the fact he said, I can of myself do nothing. Not one thing outside of God. He says, what I do, it's because I see him do it. Somehow by the Spirit, he picks it up through the inner eye. What God wants him to do, then he does it, it works. He said, I say nothing lest I hear the Father say it. Through the inner ear, he hears what God says. He begins to say it, it works. Right combination, right key, right password, so to speak. And he says, when you do that, I will show, reveal to you, bring forth the salvation of God. 
That word salvation, amen, again, no different than really the word salvation in the new covenant. Speaks of wholeness, health, healing, preservation, safety, deliverance, provision, prosperity. That word is an all-inclusive word. He says, listen, you want a breakthrough in any area of your life? Start ordering your conversation. Death and life. In fact, let's, let's go to that. Proverbs 18, please. Are you still with me? A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. And you think, what? He's talking about him eating? No, it's talking about the fruit of his mouth. Not what he puts in, but what comes out. From the produce, in other words, what comes afterward, what comes out of his lips, he shall be filled. In fact, let me look that up because I have a uh, one of the other... Uh, translations or whatever it is uh, that kind of brings that out a little bit. Let me find it here. Sorry about that. Proverbs 18. Hallelujah. A man is sustained. Here we go. A man is sustained and lives by what comes from his mouth. The consequence of his words determines what he's filled with, good or bad. So then verse 21 now See, that's why it leads into verse 21. Do we have that one? Verse 21, thank you. And it says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, or the means directed by the tongue. Okay, what do you want? You want life to manifest, and we're going to have to talk that. Okay? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it, in other words, those who keep speaking it, are going to eat its fruit. In other words, the things that constantly come out your mouth is what you're going to, what you're going to eat. That's your fruit. Are you still with me? Listen, words are usually the problem. And words are usually the solution. But see, if we don't have any confidence or assurance or trust in the unseen, more so than we do the seen realm, that's always just going to seem foreign and stupid to you. But you got to have the fight of faith is to have more confidence in what he says, more confidence in the unseen than we do in the seen realm. Listen, one day you're going to make heaven your home. Can I hear a big amen? And we're not called to get drug out of here like, like uh, we're supposed to be somehow, uh, you know, uh, you know, out of a losing fight or some kind of thing. We're called to conquer. We're called to occupy and rule. We're called to have dominion and authority, and the enemy's supposed to be bowing the knee. But one day you're going to get to heaven, and the word's clear. It says one day you're going to look over, and he's going to give you a glimpse, a picture, whatever. I don't know how it goes down. All I know is somehow you're going to see the enemy for who he is. And you're going to do this. You're going to go, what? That's what it says. What? He's the one? He's the one that made the nations tremble? He's the one that caused my life to be a wreck? He's the one? You're like, are you kidding me? Well, why do you have to wait to get to heaven to find out that the enemy has no authority over you? None. So you take 
that of the unseen, the promise of God, that which maybe at the moment does not exist, and you speak it as though it does exist, and what you have now is the perfect combination to get you your victory, whatever it is you're believing for, praise God, whatever it is you're resisting that enemy with, you have what it takes because perpetual power is on the inside. Can I hear an amen? Oh, hallelujah. One more reference. That uh, last verse there, the, I think it's the message translation. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. I like that. But anyway, Joshua 1.8, please. I'll close with this. The book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart from your mouth. Shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night. That means in the good times and the bad times. What that means, when you look them up day and night, it's not talking about when the sun's out, when the sun's not. It's talking about in good times and bad times. You put the right stuff, you meditate on the right stuff, you talk the right stuff. And he says that you may observe to do according to it, to all that's written in it. But if you're not meditating on it and talking, I guarantee you're not going to walk it. It ain't going to happen. Okay, you're, you're, you're fooling yourself. It says, for then you will make your way, you, for then... You will make your way, for then you will make your way, you will make your way, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The New Living says it this way, only then, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Only then. In other words, if you're willing to do this, it's the right combination here. You put it in your mind, you meditate on it, but you talk it. You talk the word. Don't talk the problem, and don't ignore the problem. That primarily is my message for today. Don't ignore the problem. Okay? You don't go around just saying, it does not exist, it does not exist, it does not exist. It does exist, and you've got to deal with it. And you've got to take the Word of God and do it. Well, Pastor, that's, that's going to cost me. You know what? It, you probably spent more time watching football yesterday than you probably need to take to just to find your promise to get your victory. Nothing wrong with football. Hallelujah. It's God's sport. Anyway, um, huh? you probably spent more time stewing and worrying about your situation than you would have probably took if you just got in the Word and found your promise. You look up the word promise nowadays. Say promise, healing verses, healing promises, whatever. It's amazing what you can pull up on your iPhone. And you just find, okay, I'm struggling with healing. Well, well give me a promise. We'll stop talking about, the, uh, how bad, about it, how much problems you got, or just say it does not exist. No, the Word of God says this, and you begin to speak that. You're having problems at home? You don't go around saying, I have no problems, I have no problems. Dude, that's what's getting you in this problem. You keep thinking there's no problem. There's a problem. So we got to deal with the problem. So you take the word of God, that which does not exist at this moment, I speak it into existence as though it is, it is in manifestation. I talk it. You know, God didn't go up to Abraham and go, you are not old, you are not old, you are not old, you are not old. He didn't disagree with the fact that he's old. But what he did, he said, 
He said, he spoke what, what does not exist as though it, you're going to be a father of a great multitude. A nation's going to come through your loins. And when Sarah finally got a hold, he said, and through your womb will come the promised child. And when she got a hold of it, they had themselves a promised child. Did you get something today? Give God praise, everybody. Come on. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.